It's an ill-defined podcast for the study of modern visual culture. It's Chaboy Soup. <laughs> and Ranu. Chagirl. <laughs> Listen, I wrote this whole bit for you. No, about I don't the Kira like Kira Idol. I'm not an idol, dude. Refuse, you refuse to take the mantle. I'm not. Really, you're it. just, you're running away from your destiny. I'll, I'll I'll continue to run because that's not my my destiny, man. You can't force that on me. Whatever. <laughs> one day, one day. Well, this this week ad stands for Accelerate Turbo because we're going to be talking about Redline. And before we get into what that is, what have you been up to? What's your week been like? What's your, what's your last two weeks been like, rather? Bruh. Okay, so I went to an amazement. And that was dope. Uh, it was in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I had an artist alley table there. And all my frenzies were there, and they helped me out. And, uh, like, things took, like, basically a quarter of the time to set up and take down. It was awesome. Because I'm used to just, you know, doing all that stuff by myself. So mm. that was fun. And got to see lots of cool cosplays, and I I texted you one of them, which was the Fire Emblem Heroes one. It's pretty beautiful. <laughs> they they dressed up as the spring Easter versions of Chrome and Lucina and Camilla, and that was cute. Um, I saw a really good uh, Mononoke cosplay, um, like the, the anime Mononoke, not Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, though there was, of course, her too. <laughs> and oh yeah that one too i guess yeah yeah i mean she was cool too but like i don't get to see mononoke cosplays super often and this guy had the medicine cabinet and everything he was perfect oh my and goodness. he did That's a so whole good. little pose in front of my booth with another friend of mine and they looked great <laughs> it looked like they were play- paying homage to to my table so that was awesome and uh and then this past weekend i had some friends visit from st louis and they were super cool and we freaking binged welcome to the nhk all of it <laughs> oh my god you so you've seen welcome to the nhk wait have you now seen it before I have. now huh? you have now i have yeah my question was if you had if you had seen it before then. no i had okay wow Oof. <laughs> Oof. that's <laughs> welcome to the nhk is a lot it is a lot. It is a lot to handle, but it is it is something that solidly falls in the category of I really enjoy this, but I have to be in the right mood to enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I loved it. Um it did feel like, you know, kind of slow at parts, but I yeah. think uh the way that they organized the story into like little arcs, I guess, and then and then in the end they had that big old finale that was really like this is basically how real life goes. I mean, there's some drama here and there with, with this main couple, but like the way that people kind of diverge off into their own paths was really awesome to see because I was like, man, not a lot of anime do this. Like you kind of like expect them because it's been so happy-go-lucky up till that point to like have a fairy tale-esque ending. Uh, but then it, it, it kind of reconciles with how reality is like, you know, and I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I I've never seen the anime. I've only ever read the manga, which is why oh. I 
continually forget that I've experienced Welcome to the NHK until someone bring, someone else brings it up. Mm-hmm. I hear that they have slightly different endings. Oh, really? But the ending of the manga, too, is this kind of very down-to-earth, bittersweet, open-ended ending. Okay. Which I appreciate because yeah. it represents a genre of, of fiction that I really enjoy. Mm. Uh, yeah. But one that I cannot get in the mood for all the time. Oh, no. Yeah, that was that was definitely something like I haven't watched something in that, I guess, genre in a long time. And this was like, I guess, a good time for me to jump into it uh, and real heavy. watch the whole thing. <laughs> real heavy. Yeah, it's super heavy. And then now uh, we watched Redline. <laughs> And that's okay. definitely not in the same genre. <laughs> so you also you also made them made them watch Redline. Oh no 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 no! I I I mean like oh, as you, a, I guess just, like just you a break from that. You know, watching Redline was good. <laughs> yeah, Redline Redline is a great show to watch as like a break because it, it breaks everything. It does everything everything <laughs> just all the time, <laughs> and it's good. <laughs> well, that's that's neat. Mm-hmm. What you been up to, buddy? Really not a whole lot. I'm just <laughs> kind of hanging on in there until the end of the quarter. Mm-hmm. It is currently dead week, Tuesday of dead week. Okay. I All I have to do is finish a book and then like get through my final project. And then mm-hmm. once I'm done with that, I can just take my test on Monday and I'm free. Oh, so what that means is I will take my test on Monday and then I will go home and scramble to work on my two finals. Oh. <laughs> that's that's not true. I, I intend to, I intend to at least work on them uh, before that. Uh-huh. Mostly because it's exciting. I get to write, or I guess I don't get to, but I'm going to, mm-hmm. regardless of if they let me or not. Although I've been explicitly allowed to do something that's not a book, so... Well, that's the general way that the project works, but it's essentially just I get to write an essay about a piece of speculative fiction. So, of course, I'm going to write about 2017 video game uh, Yoko Taro's Wild Ride, also called Nier Automata. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write one of my final essays on Nier Automata. <sighs> and then, uh-huh. and then, get this, uh-huh. my other project... Is is I'm gonna make a video essay about, or I'm gonna make a video essay for my uh, Kafka class, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make it about postmodernism in Japan in Japanese popular culture and the way that it frames discontinuity as reflective of reality in Japan. It, and the long and short of that is I'm gonna talk about anime. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, So basically, you're going to talk about everything we covered in our podcast episodes. Right. It was really tempting just to cut <laughs> little bits from the podcast. But <laughs> to be honest, the audio quality is so terrible that I have to tune it up anyway. Yeah. And at that point, I might as well just record something new. But yes, yeah. I'm going to talk about Ava. Uh, I'm going to talk about yeah. Kuri Kuri. Yeah. Which I only thought about recently because they just released, I think, this the first episode of the second season. Did they? Like the 2nd of June, I think. Oh. So we'll have to check that out, see if it's any good, see if it was worth revisiting Kuri Kuri. The answer is probably not, 
but maybe it will surprise us, you know? I, I have a feeling it'll be good because there's so much love behind the series and it's That's so what I think, right? Like, I, I don't, know. I don't <laughs> want to be the kind of person who sees a piece of media that I like be, mm-hmm. you know, revisited and mm-hmm. then... My opinion of it is is colored by the fact that I experienced it at a certain time in my life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do not want to become the kind of old person that sees that and goes, I don't connect to that. I hate that. It's dumb. You've ruined my favorite thing. When in reality, my experience that I had with the original thing is not tarnished by the fact that the new thing exists. It just means that my satisfaction uh, at the potential of this new thing being also good was you know squandered and that was and that's okay i think sure i mean uh yeah as long as you are able to keep that perspective of you know the the original thing still touched your kokoro and this new thing may or may not do the same it, it will probably if it does it will do so in a different way because it's been many many years since the original thing yeah, it might do things differently, mm-hmm. and it might touch base with, honestly, a generation that's, you know, younger than I am, yeah. which is odd to say, but it's true, because technically that wasn't a show that was made for when I was like, well, no, that's not, that's not even true, really. It, it does resonate with you at that age, because it's about that. Yeah. So if it is for someone who is significantly younger than I am and they derive some kind of meaningful experience from that, then who am I to say, no, I hate Mm -hmm. that. It's like Mm -hmm. new Star Wars. Mm -hmm. The new Star Wars movies, Mm -hmm. regardless of your opinion of them, Mm -hmm. will not necessarily tarnish your experience of the older ones. Plus, George Lucas has come out and said some dumbass shit about it star wars and that doesn't ruin people's experience of the movie so you know <laughs> uh-huh. so if that if that doesn't ruin it then nothing can <laughs> if george lucas doesn't ruin it then nothing can that's a pretty good slogan honestly oh my god <laughs> that's a pretty good slogan yeah other than that i have uh-huh. been playing lots of grand blue fantasy yeah, buddy. Tell me about it. <laughs> I, uh, you know, <laughs> let's spend another half hour on Grand Blue Fantasy. Yeah, let's let's just this is this is <laughs> first we started talking about about <laughs> Nier and then welcome to the NHK. Yeah, and then now we're gonna talk about Grand Blue Fantasy. And by the time yeah. we get to Redline, we'll have to talk about it in ten minutes. Which, to be fair, I feel like fits with the thematics of the show. Sure. <laughs> But Grand Blue Fantasy. So yeah, I still a little tired. <laughs> I still love this game, and mm-hmm. I have in my in my luck drawing characters with the character gacha machine. Yeah, I've had like probably some of the better luck because okay. some people will draw hundreds of times and they'll get like a handful of SSRs. Meanwhile, I drew something like a total of 28 times and I got something in the ballpark of like seven SSRs. So that is essentially a third or a fourth, actually. Yeah, a fourth of my characters are the highest tier of rarity. 
and wow. most of those are good characters in and of themselves. Oh. So my draw luck with the character gacha has been super on point because they have a system where if you draw 10 at once, they guarantee you at least one SR or SSR. And anytime that happens or anytime I've done that, I've always gotten an SSR at least. Oh, okay. Well, now you jinxed yourself. Now I've jinxed myself, obviously. <laughs> but at this point, it, it doesn't, you know... You got you got what I, you wanted. I, I guess. got what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I got uh, there was an event with a new character or a new version of a character named uh, Luna Lu, who is basically a Harvin, which are if you think about it in kind of fantasy Western fantasy terms, they're like half they're like halflings, like hobbits. Okay, they're just sure. short. Mm-hmm. And there's one named Luna Lu who is a uh, she's a Fujoshi. She's a <laughs> fantasy Fujoshi who's just like, I'm going to make a doujin about men that love each other. <laughs> I like. <laughs> but it's it's beautiful and she's great. And <laughs> the event that just happened or is happening right now mm -hmm. where she releases her first doujin is honestly, honestly great. And I love it. Doujin. Doujin. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they gave her like a... A horse girl anime skin or something. No, no. I think the horse girl <laughs> campaign is just for the opening board. They're just like, look it, we we had we have the horse girl, and she's replaced Rie Kugimiya Dragon. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah, it's it's pretty good, honestly. I I okay. really enjoy it, and I mm -hmm. think it's it's pretty cute and charming. You like the horse girl? No, not the horse girl. <laughs> I don't hate the horse girl, I guess. It's just... I don't... I have I have mixed feelings about it, is, is the problem. I'm, I have very confused feelings about it. Right. I, I almost don't know what to feel. Yeah. Which is... Me neither. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. That is not an anime we've been watching. No. No, we have not been watching that. So... As, mm -hmm. as I was saying, my character draw luck is really good. Now my mm -hmm. item drop rate is really bad. Oh. So, what I've been doing... Okay, so there are bosses in the game. Okay. And every day you can do each boss in... Like, each of these raids three times. You can host them three times. And then if other people are hosting, you can join them as many times as you have resources for. Mm -hmm. And they have drop rates for their items and they drop you know weapons or summons or whatever mm -hmm. and basically to get the best you know weapon deck grid which is something that i've tried to explain vaguely last time mm -hmm. you have to get a certain weapon from from each boss because mm -hmm. there's usually one optimal weapon to get right yeah now i never get that one so I have been I have been grinding every day and I have oh, no. five daggers total. Uh -huh. So think about that. For okay, there's there's a month that uh -huh. about a month that I've been playing this game. Mm -hmm. Every day three times I I mm -hmm. beat a boss and I get a and I get a bunch of chests and there's a there's a drop rate for the daggers. But there's a drop rate for the other SSR weapons in the weapon pool. 
So there is a staff, mm-hmm. there is a spear, and there is a bow. Okay. I've gotten so many copies of the staff, the spear, and the bow, but I've gotten five daggers total. <laughs> out of all the items that you've drawn. Out of all the items that I've drawn. <laughs> what that, mean, what that be. means is the skill level, <laughs> which is different from the weapon level of all my uh-huh. daggers, is at the highest it can be right now. Skill level 10, <laughs> which takes a lot of resources to get to. Yeah. But my weapons themselves are at such a low level because to uncap a weapon level, you need a copy of the weapon. Oh. So I have six <laughs> daggers at SL10, skill level 10, but uh-huh. none of them are past level 40 because I can't get right. any more fucking daggers. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like these really beefy characters wielding these like level <laughs> basic I have really, weapons. I have really beefy characters that are wielding <laughs> weapons that would be really strong. Uh-huh. So I have beefy characters that are we are wielding weapons that give multiplicative like percentage bonuses and would be really mm. beefy if they had the raw stats to be beefy, but I cannot get them because I can't get more daggers. I just imagine your your mucho macho boys, like you know, the ones that they're hanging out in the bathhouse with these EDBD daggers in their hands. Right. It's like if the daggers are made of like really strong materials, but they're just like thumbtacks that you have to hold with two fingers. <laughs> and they're not real knives. <laughs> you can have a knife made out of the strongest material in the world, but if it is the size of a thumbtack, it's not going to do a whole lot. So it's anyway, that's that's how it's been. Progression has been slow because my drop rate for items is way worse than my character drop rate. Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, I'll take. <laughs> if you stab something enough times, like even with a needle, it's it's going to not be pleasant. So, you know. Well, the other problem... It's slow and steady. <laughs> the other problem is I don't have any sustained characters. They're all attack characters. <laughs> They're all characters that are like, please don't hit me. You'll reset all my bonuses. And I have no way of drawing any aggro. (laughs) So you have to end the fight quickly with these eeny weeny thumbtacks. Right. I have to make sure that they hit as like hard as possible with what limited things I have or else I will die. I will lose a war of attrition because I don't have any kind of sustain. Which is a problem because raids are all wars of attrition. Oh, but it's okay. It's okay. I'll just mm, I'll leech mm-hmm. till the day I die. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. that's enough of Granbu fantasy and my my Granbu fantasy woes. <laughs> let's let's we need talk a about Blue update. Yeah, we need the Granbu update every week. <laughs> uh, oh, also, I have uh-huh. eaten food, real fucking food. Whoa. Food update. Food update. I had a really great burrito. Oh. Yep. That was that's my food update. Thanks for listening. <laughs> what what was in the burrito? You can't leave us hanging. Uh it was beef, mm-hmm. but cooked in ranchero sauce, which is like a oh. like a Mexican sauce of some mm-hmm. descript. I could not explain to you what is in it off the top of my head, but it was tasty. What <laughs> 
Well, like, it's it's the same sauce that you use for, like, you know, huevos rancheros, you know? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, what else was in the freaking burrito? Oh, it's normal burrito fare. Rice, beans, okay, okay. guacamole, sour cream, pico de gallo. I don't know, mm. burrito stuff. But you just, you made it sound really special. I just... Oh, it was, it was special in comparison to what I've been eating. <laughs> An ordinary burrito is so far superior than the cafeteria food. Well, now, it's not an ordinary burrito. It's a solidly good burrito. <laughs> Actually, I will say, to the credit of this burrito, the rice never feels like it is overpowering anything else with how much of it there is. Mm. I feel like the balance of the ingredients was really good. The okay. texture of the beef in comparison to everything else was really good because you have mm -hmm. the chew of the beans and the, the kind of tough, the tougher, you know, more jerky-like texture of the beef. And then every time you chew it, you get the, the taste of the beef as well. As, it's a very strong beefy flavor as well as the <laughs> ranchero sauce. And mm -hmm. that combines to make a really satisfying bite of food. That's a really vivid portrayal you just gave. I imagine it perfectly. Yeah, I made myself hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that's how it would end. <laughs> I do have one more thing to say about Granville Fantasy, actually. Okay. <laughs> De like, Dead Week and Finals Week are wrecking havoc on my schedule, and I keep sleeping mm -hmm. through my strike time. My first one, at least, oh. which is sad. Anyway, actually, yesterday I slept <laughs> through both of them, so... Mm. Yikes! <laughs> I'm behind. <laughs> yeah, if I don't, if I don't catch 6 p.m., I have to, I have to catch 2 a.m. Which, to be fair, I oh, could change God. them, but those are the times that work best for me. So, those are the times I use. Well, I mean, this explains why sometimes I get messages from you at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's because this morning I woke up at 4 a.m. after having gone to bed at 9 p.m. the previous night because my oh sleeping my schedule doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> I'm glad you're getting sleep at least. That's important. I am getting sleep. I accidentally slept for like 13 hours the other day. I slept through one of my classes. I slept until 7 p.m. And... I was so out of sorts that I went to the dining hall and I literally dropped everything I touched. What? It was really All bad. All your food, too? I didn't drop any food, but I, okay. I did, like, drop a bottle of hot sauce and it crashed and broke on the ground. Oh. I, I finished my drink and I, or, or the first time I was getting a drink, I dropped my cup and then I, I picked up a new cup. And as soon as I finished the drink and I got, I, I, you know, got up to get a refill, I tipped it over with my hands and knocked ice everywhere. <laughs> and then as I was trying to remove a, a chicken bone from my body, the chicken was really dry. So I was I essentially like accidentally took out like a pile of chicken that I'd been chewing. And it was just not a great day. That's all I'll say about it. I was so out of sorts. It was ridiculous. I just... <laughs> Just imagine you just fumbling everything. I was I was <laughs> ridiculously uncoordinated. It was like I had never been in a human body before. <laughs> this must be what Ben Winkle felt like. <laughs> right, he woke up and was like, "Oof, I got I got a hangover." <laughs> oh shit! What? It's been like a hundred years. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh no! I can't remember how to do anything. <laughs> 
let's let's talk about let's talk about what we're, what we're here to talk about because I feel like we've been talking about <laughs> literally everything else for twenty five minutes. That's done. that's our regularly scheduled content. <laughs> we bring you back to our regularly scheduled content. Redline is a two thousand nine anime movie directed by Takeshi Koike <laughs> and produced by Madhouse, which, if you're not familiar with, is the studio behind One Punch Man, Card Captor Sakura, Death Note. Hunter x Hunter, which I will call Hunter x Hunter until the end of time. Why? It's Hunter Hunter! I know it's Hunter Hunter, but there's an X in it, and it just, like, it's bad. I'm not going to ever <laughs> change how I how I pronounce it. It's Hunter x no. Hunter to me forever. Hunter x Hunter 2011, they did. And yeah, also they the Tatami Galaxy, which is one of my favorite anime of all time. And if you've known me for... Really, any amount of time, you'll know that that's one of my favorite anime of all time, because I'll tell you about it. That'll probably be a podcast episode at some point. Yeah, because I'll make you watch it. It'll be, I think that's a great <laughs> summer watch, too, so I think you should watch that for one of our summer episodes. I think that would be really okay. good. Outside of TV, they also do films. Obviously, this one that we're talking about right now, Red Line. They've done The Girl Who Left Through Time, Summer Wars, and they worked on... Because they collaborate on a lot of movies, too. They've worked on Wolf Children, as well as collaborating mm-hmm. with Studio Ghibli on such iconic hits as My Neighbor Totoro, <laughs> Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Pick Up yeah. the Blu-ray, now today, for only yeah. eighty nine ninety nine. That's not don't the real do, price. No. I don't actually know what the real <laughs> price of these movies is. I'm sure <laughs> no. you can get them on Amazon for like 20 bucks. <laughs> anyway, Madhouse is one of the most iconic studios with such a wide breadth of work that nearly anyone who watches anime has seen an anime that they've done. Like, even if you don't watch anime, you probably know what a Death Note is. You've probably seen at least one sequence by Madhouse and been really impressed with it. They are, they are one of the most iconic studios. They're good. I like they, like, they've done so much work that you're bound to like something that they've done. Exactly. It's like, if you if you just watch anime in general, you've probably come across something that they've done. So, yeah. Let's talk about Redline, because Redline is... Redline is a lot. <laughs> it's bonkers. But to, to start with kind of the premise, it's mm-hmm. the future. People mm-hmm. have grav engines and hyperdrives... And then some jackasses find some backwater planet to race cars on. Yes, because that's what you would do in the future. Right. It's like that, and then also it's like Megalobox, but before Megalobox. For sure, Megalobox. Like, the whole plot of Megalobox is, is this, but racing. It's Right, pretty, pretty much. Except the tournament is less prestigious in the traditional sense of the word, and just more of a popular thing mm-hmm. it's like if nascar was lethal <laughs> i say as if nascar <laughs> is not already like an incredibly dangerous it, it is, sport yeah it's pretty dangerous regardless <laughs> uh but yeah so the plot for Redline is uh it it's just like we said it's just like my glow box where the main character is Paid to fix the races with his, uh, you know, manager buddy slash engineer, but mechanic buddy. Um, and he gets the lucky chance to get into the giant red line tournament, which is like the most famous one on this, you know, wasteland planet. 
and he races there, and it's super freaking cool. Like, no synopsis will do justice how freaking cool this movie is. <laughs> yeah, this is a movie that oozes rule of cool. Yeah, man. Like, his freaking pompadour, man. <laughs> I will go to bat for anybody who wears that dumb haircut, and I love it. It's, like, outrageous, and then there's, like, the robot police guy who also has a pompadour, but it's made out of metal. <laughs> I love I love metal pompadour guy. <laughs> He's such a jerk, but it just is so good. Yeah, man. And the freaking gold Trans Am. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everything in this movie is style, and I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I can't gush about it. We anymore. <laughs> we honestly don't have like a super great synopsis of what happens because there's not really a lot that happens. Dude gets into yeah. a race. He yeah. gets a new car. He races, yeah. and they tell him to fix the race, and he's just like, "No, I'm racing for me." And then he does. And, he say that? I thought he was just racing. Well, he was just racing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, he's basically just racing his heart out, and then his uh, mechanic-slash-manager buddy fixes the car so that uh, when he's basically right about to cross the finish line, his car will, like, explode a tire or explode the engine, and then he'll lose, and then the second-place person will, you know, breeze by and, and win so that they make they make the victories close so that by the time that the betting closes everyone's like oh my gosh I'm gonna bet all my money on the main character his name is JP sweet JP and uh, they lose all their muns <laughs> and uh, the when he gets into the big race the there's a similar setup but uh, it turns out differently <laughs> it is Honestly, really straightforward. Like, you'll not yeah. be confused by the plot of the movie, but if you don't know, because you haven't watched it, Big Man Go Race. He raced good. That's it. That's the movie. He's a kudu man. He's kudu. Go race. Kudu. kudu. Yeah, he's kudu. You want to see a kudu guy? That's the guy. <laughs> so the plot itself is pretty simple, but it is effective because of all of the other things that it does, it's really stylish. It's really well executed. And I think it's actually pretty... It's purposeful with the way that it chooses to use kind of a simple, straightforward plot. Because it then becomes about the animation. And oof. Yeah. Oof, let's talk about yeah. the animation. Yeah. yeah. Because this, this is a movie that took seven years to develop. Because it was hand animated with over a hundred thousand unique drawings, and that's in this era of of anime development, literally unheard of. Yeah, nobody it, does this anymore. No, no one, no one does this because of how ridiculously budget heavy and you know whatever, whatever. Like it's just not cost effective in the least. But dang, does it look freaking amazing! Like you. You look at it, and and while I was watching it, I just I, like I forgot that it was hand animated until afterwards. I I recalled, and I was like, "Wait, 
this whole freaking thing was hand animated all that perspective like every single shot has like some wonky perspective going on but not like wonky as in like bad like wonky as in like you don't see people draw like that nowadays unless it's like you know one or two shots this was like basically every scene they would have some kind of like unique way that they compose the shot and so then that you just imagine them doing all the smooth animation to all the details and all of the freaking ridiculous crazy designs that they have for every single character like even all the background characters oh my god <laughs> yeah the the character design is really great it's so good it has They're, all those so weird diverse. aliens yeah yeah because they have all sorts of different species and so, like, they have different looks for each different species. And then, of course, all they all, I don't know, they the world building in this anime, even though they don't explain a whole lot of it, you feel sunken into it because you're like, oh, my gosh, I want to learn more. But I, there's not much I can learn more aside from what I can see in the movie. But it's it's a really, really cool glimpse into a world that you feel like could exist. Yeah, I think they do a really good job of, of setting up the slice of the setting that you see. That implies mm -hmm. that there's more beyond it. It feels like a part yeah. of of a, of a larger world, and there's a lot of really yeah. subtle work that is done to do that. Mm -hmm. If you like the pod racing sequence in Star Wars, this is like a movie that's, that's exactly, exactly this. <laughs> it's like that, but that's the movie. It's pretty, yeah, pretty dope. So, aside from the fact that it's basically like the last great hand animated piece of long, uh. Feature-length animation, rather. It is so over-the-top in every other aspect. The the perspectives that they use, the mm -hmm. way that they squash and stretch the drawings to ludicrous degrees, all of mm -hmm. it is really, really well done. Yep. They don't skimp. They, they do not skimp, and they understand how to use stylization in a way to um, convey uh, aesthetics, but also feelings and motion this is a this is a movie where in watching it you can feel the animation and you can feel the speed of of the cars i guess they're called mm -hmm. i guess they're cars yeah you can feel the speed of the cars <laughs> which frankly speaking is way more difficult than people give credit for yeah i think it it stands out because you know we're in an era where a lot of animation relies very heavily on on telling right mm -hmm. it relies a lot on characters and their interactions and in in kind of a like obviously i don't mean to talk down to newer animation but sometimes along the way we we tend to lose the, these really dynamic sort of shows in favor of things that are more cost-effective, like three people talking around a table. Yeah. So that's honestly really cool that we get to, to see this. And I mean, 2009 at this point is nine, almost ten years ago. At, but still, it still stands as, as one of the last great hand-animated films. You wouldn't be able to tell, honestly. Like, if you watch this movie alongside, like, a more recent, I guess, digitally animated piece of work, like, I think I think it holds up on its own, you know? Like, I, I think so, too. I think normally the difference between hand-animated films and digital films tends to be one of uh, texture. Yeah. But I think for Redline, it tends to be 
more in favor of, of fluidity. It's just that there are yes. more um there's more visual motion for you to see. Yeah. And an interesting thing is that it emulates the style of animation that is more in line with the digital age than with, with the older age. This yeah, is the yeah. mixing of the mm-hmm. old and the new. If someone told you that this was a digitally animated film, you would believe them. Yeah, yeah. You would think, oh, that's a really cool one. But it's hand animated. It's drawn. Yeah, you would never... I feel like when you watch it, you don't assume that it's hand animated because of how clean the animation is. Like, they use... Their use of silhouetting is so good because they 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 shade everything with black, right? Yeah, so really if you're hard, gonna go bold with, black lines. Yeah, really hard, bold black and then really you know bold colors like you would think that uh that that kind of might get exhausting to look at after a while but like they do it masterfully and so then you know you know for a fact that these people know what they're doing (laughs) yeah it's it's very evocative of a lot of like late 90s i mean actually i'm gonna explicitly say early 2000s i think for this case um it's very evocative of early 2000s anime which, to be fair, I guess 2009 can be considered at the, the sort of cusp end of early 2000s. But it reminds me of shows like Samurai Champloo and, and shows mm-hmm. that have those really, really stylized kind of lines. And, and the line yeah. work is, is really stellar. Yeah. It is also very reminiscent of Western graphic novels or comic books. Yes, yes. It, mm-hmm. I think, derives a lot of influence from that to great effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just so fantastic. Like, I can't wax poetic enough about just how good this movie is to watch with your eyes. Mm-hmm. With your eyeballs. With your actual <laughs> human eyeballs. It is... <laughs> this is... This is honestly a movie... Where I would go as far as to say the best way to watch it is to just find a Blu-ray. Yeah. And, I mean, if you don't have a Blu-ray player, obviously the internet exists, but that's all I can say legally on a podcast, probably. (laughs) What we're trying to say is watch it. Honestly, even (laughs) streaming doesn't necessarily do it the justice that it deserves. Yeah. Because the animation is so fluid, so high-paced. Mm-hmm. And so fast that it's hard to get across with the kind of loss that you get in in streaming that you don't necessarily see with any any other anime these days. I would love to see like a making of kind of like documentary ish type of thing with this film because ooh, ah, uh. I would love to watch this in a movie theater. Yeah, I think that would. Oh be, my god! Yeah, I think that would be the most stellar experience. My God, we need to do that. Just get a movie theater soup. Yeah, I just need to. I just listen. We'll get the podcast successful enough <laughs> where we're making oh, no. millions of dollars oh, and no. using our millions of anime dollars. We're gonna buy a movie theater <laughs> and only play anime movies. <laughs> I can imagine getting lots of anime dollars, but not real life dollars. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> Kind of moving from, from animation into the rest of, of it, there's not really a lot to talk about in terms of, of characters. They're simple but effective. You have, you know, 
your main character, Sweet JP, who's just mm-hmm. this humanoid with his pompadour, and he's he's yeah, a good boy. racer. He he do the race good. Uh, you yep. got his his mechanic friend who is the race fixer. His, yeah, he looks kind of like a goblin. Yeah, he's like a business suit goblin guy. He's like a business but he's goblin. A mechanic. <laughs> Yeah, he's a business goblin, but he's a mechanic. And I, I thought that was interesting because, you know, normally you picture a mechanic like, I don't know, in oily shirts and overalls or whatever, you know, jeans and stuff like that. But he's he works it in the suit and he fixes up the car. Yeah, I think his character is probably one of the the more interesting ones mm-hmm. because it's one of the more complicated ones. Yeah. And you don't where he's he's know. torn between his desire to fix the races and his obligation to the mob that fixes these races. Yeah. And at the same, and like, I, I'm thinking that's what's gonna happen for Megalobox. I'm thinking that the guy shows up and he's like, "All right, we're gonna fix the match." Yeah. And then, and then Joe's gonna be like, "No, I'm in this shit for the real." I mean, yeah, Joe obviously is in it for the real, but yeah, the right, he's he's gonna he's gonna try to beat Big Boss Yuri with his techno arm. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the coach is gonna like face the same dilemma as uh as this guy, where it's like. Do I side with my boy or do I, you know, fulfill our debt? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty great. Um, the other characters, most of the other racers don't really super matter, but they do give a glimpse into the implied setting of, of the world. There's like the psychic twins. Mm-hmm. There's the big metal pompadour guy. Mm hmm. There's the the champion, I guess. Yeah, there's also the the two characters that are actually returning characters from the OVA that this is based on, mm-hmm. which I haven't watched, so I I can't say anything about it. I have no no clue. I just know it's it's a sequel to an OVA. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, we should talk about Crab Sonoshi. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh huh. I have slightly mixed feelings about this because, yeah. On one hand, she feels less important as a character, yeah, because she's mostly there to build up JP's narrative, yeah. And on the other hand, she also feels really important because of her own narrative. Uh, yeah, I so when she first came into the scene, I was just like, "Oh, she's freaking Cindy from Final Fantasy 15." You know, she's a she's a mech head. She loves fixing up cars. She, like, like she's influenced by her dad, who was also like an engineer. She has a passion for racing, and she's you know she she wants to race. She wants to win Redline, and on her own merits, like she doesn't ever ask anyone else for help. But then uh, Sweet JP comes along, and he's super into her, and uh, they kind of build up this little, you know, romance thing, and she, because her uh, car basically gets trashed in the final race, she hops into uh, JP's in his car, and then she's like, win win me the race. (laughs) And, yeah, I don't know. I mean... (laughs) It is. I think it is a little bit more than that because it's revealed okay. that she is the reason that he started racing for real. I like real. that part, yeah. And also, if she wasn't there, 
it would have been impossible for them to win the race in That's the true. first place. Yeah. I don't like that her narrative plays second fiddle to his. Yeah. But at the same time, the way that it comes together, I don't hate. Well, and given given the nature of mm-hmm. the movie itself, I feel like it's fitting. But it's it's not amazing. It, well, the the part I guess like I do like the fact that the the victory was hinged on her involvement. But at the same time, her involvement like like the fact that it did involve her like being gutsier with what they were doing was awesome. But then after that, it was like her using her magic necklace and unlimitless energy source thing to pop into the car. And then that was like that also like helped push them forward. And then the final push was from the friend, which I loved, like like that accidental, like, you know, sabotage of the car actually helped them. But yeah, uh, like the fact that that her major involvement in the race was to give him her magic necklace like that didn't feel as good as if it was due to her technique or her experience with racing. It was basically like a magic, like, here you go. Kind of like a deuce ex type of thing is what it reminded me of. So I didn't really like that part. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would I think I would tend to agree. I, I do think that it's complicated somewhat by the fact that it's trying very hard to evoke a certain era of anime. Yeah. And obviously that era of animation is not beyond reproach. Yeah. It, has, it is notorious for being not amazing towards women. Yeah, like like her uh, introduction, I guess, was just like, like JP, when he's describing her, he's like, yeah, you're the chitty boy hunter, you know. Like, chitty boy hunter. And, and but you, then she's not. Yeah, she's just like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, she's like, that's not my name. And then she's also like, Oh God! They showed my butt on TV, <laughs> and um, and she's also the the type of person who it, she says that she's married to racing, right? She she doesn't think about romance or anything like that. She's she's married to her work, basically that type of person. Which is why I thought like, yeah, she's a lot like Cindy from FF15. Uh, mm-hmm. and then in the end, it's just like, oh. Love you, JP, and then they smooch at the end of the movie, and that's the end of the movie. Like that is the actual end, the of, the end movie, of the movie, where it pops up with the with the title saying "love," and then that's it's over, and it makes you think like, was I watching a romance movie this whole time? <laughs> I thought I was watching a race movie. <laughs> yeah, I will say the okay for all of its faults, the last sequence is so mind-bogglingly, heart-racingly amazing. <laughs> Like, wow. <laughs> the, the, I'm conflicted about whether I should spoil exactly what happens or not, but basically they run out of car. Yes. Well, I mean, I basically already spoiled it, so you can spoil it more. <laughs> there is not enough car for them to get past the finish line. Yeah. So they just, their bodies just go, wah, yeah. over it. Yeah. And I'm not going to spoil exactly how they win, but woo. It is awesome. This this is a this is a movie with animation that you can viscerally feel with your body. Yes. And that is not something that I can say for most things. <laughs> True. That is that is not something I can say for 99% of animation. Yes. I think 
it serves as a pure example of animation for the sake of animation, right? Mm -hmm. It has... And obviously, the whole movie is an allegory for the digital era of animation versus the traditional era of hand animation because literally they have hyperdrives and and grab engines, but they're still racing these pseudo... Uh, fuel car like these these land cars right and i guess that's another thing to touch on that is similar to megalobox that i forgot to mention is that the main characters i guess like style of racing is a lot more old-fashioned slash traditional right he just has a car yeah he just has a car like you can see from the very first race his car is tiny like, it's a Trans Am, and it's souped up, and it's gold and beautiful, but it's tiny compared to all these giant, like, basically airships next to him. Uh, the, and he wins. The champion <laughs> basically turns himself into a motorcycle. Yes, he does! He goes, like, freaking Final Fantasy transformation boss he lo- mode. <laughs> he really looks like a Final Fantasy boss. <laughs> like, it's veins actually popping amazing. out of his skin. It's just like, oh, God, man, he blends into his car. <laughs> yeah. It's... But yeah, JP himself actually just drives a straight-up car. Yeah, he drives a car, and then <laughs> it becomes a super souped-up rocket car. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. I, I think I think that it, it's really valuable to us to to get this this hand animated film. Yeah, this lovingly crafted in production for seven years film. <sighs> yeah, that is essentially like this send off to hand animation as as a part of the industry. And it's not cynical about it, really. Yeah. It's, it's a labor of love. It says, we, we see that the times are changing. Yeah. And that the things that we once held dear to us and were valuable, the difficulties of, of animation, because JP's car is hard as hell to drive because it's just a car and he's just putting bigger and bigger engines into it. Yeah. So, you know, it's very difficult to control. And obviously, it's really hard to hand animate. It's prohibitively expensive. It's completely impractical for any kind of television animation. Like, cost-wise, it's prohibitive to even films these days. Yeah, like you... Compared to digital. Whenever you think of a film nowadays, if there's anything, like, mechanical that you have to repeat over and over again from scene to scene, you automatically think, oh, they're going to go CG with it, or they're going to do some kind of 3D model with it, right? Because it would just be ridiculous otherwise to to animate every frame of this mechanical thing that doesn't change. Uh, but then this animation is like, hey, you know what? We're going to freaking draw 5 million images of this one car, and we're going to do it all sorts of different angles and warped perspectives. And it's gonna look good. <laughs> it's gonna look good as heck. Yeah. Or it shows us the kind of rewarding aspect of the old form, and at the same time saying, you know, that the new stuff isn't terrible either, right? Like there's yeah. a scene where where JP is like riding a hover bike and he's like, Hey, this is pretty cool. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's not uh it's not a rejection of the new, but it's a, it's just like a celebration of the old, you know. Yeah, it's it's the most glorious send-off that you could ever have. And I mm-hmm. think there is there is something to be said about the the sort of movement away from traditional animation and the mm-hmm. way that that makes us lose a lot of the texture, 
right? Yeah. Of of animation. And that's I, I think that's what people miss, right? That's why Megalobox is so popular right now. Yeah. It's because it looks and feels very textured. Yeah. Which is something that I it, like a lot of anime these days look kind of clean, like yeah. too clean almost. Yeah, too clean. Mm-hmm. Which, which isn't which isn't a knock against you know anime nowadays, no. but it it definitely is. There's an amount of nostalgia that people have for for the the texture of painted backgrounds. Sure, with cells laid over them. It, it feels it feels a little closer. Like you're, it almost feels like as an audience member, you're closer to the animators because it's like, oh, I can see someone like laboring over this like with a paintbrush or with you know uh, with a pencil or whatever. Because like when we grow up, we've all experienced drawing like hand you know, by hand something, right? Even if it's not necessarily good or if it's a stick figure, we know what that's like versus uh, not everyone knows what it's like to paint something digitally or to model something in 3D. And so I feel like as we progress into the modern age, it, there's a there's more of a separation in modern animation than it was with traditional animation. I, I think I would agree. I, I think that, <laughs> that the movie does an amazing job of mixing the old and the new. Mm-hmm. And I think it evokes both of those eras really strongly. Yeah, so well. The simplicity of the plot does lend to what it's doing because it is kind of this homage to, to 90s anime. Mm-hmm. This, this tradition of, of hand-animated films where the plot itself is pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. It's the intricacies of the plot themselves are almost inconsequential. Yeah. It doesn't you know, to greater or lesser effect, it doesn't dwell a lot in, in character development so much as it does in showing us what the characters are like over the course of the movie, which I think to some extent is a lot more valuable in movies like this. Yeah, and in, I agree. in movies. I think it fits the pace of a movie better for someone to um not try to build character development into it, or if they right. do because it's a lot harder to in in a 2 hour or less span of time that's why it's a lot easier because you have a lot more time in television series to to build this you can do it kind of gradually and if you don't do it gradually it does it feels kind of forced so the fact that we instead get visions of what the characters are through their actions mm-hmm. and the struggles that they go through and ultimately the choices that they make that ends up being more meaningful and this is this is why i when it comes to things like characters character development to me is not as important if it's not done well as right. just having good characters in the first place i think the characters in this movie are fine yeah i think they serve the the purposes that they're there to serve Right. I feel like the characters are good. Yeah. I, I feel like we get a good idea of what they're like through their actions. And yeah, it, it does a lot of showing and not telling. Mm-hmm. Which is which is pretty great. That's why it feels like there's a wider world outside of it. Yes, absolutely. Because we get a lot of these glimpses into things that are never explained or yes. are revisited later, but not in a way where we get info dumped. I, I think it does a good job of showing you just enough to keep you curious and interested, but then keep the show rolling. Uh, and I think if they did do stuff like 
give us the whole life story of sweet JP and why he's called sweet and where his family's from and all that stuff. Like, and it, it, it would have like dragged down the pace so much. And while that would be interesting to know, it's not necessarily relevant, relevant to the story. And, uh, I actually think the most character development probably came from his friendo, the mechanic. Like, you, you see his moral dilemma throughout the whole movie, and then in the end it gets resolved, and it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that they chose to go with very clear, direct, readable characters. Yes. Instead of trying to build characters over the course of the movie and develop them over the course of the movie in a way that wasn't relevant to the scope of the movie itself. I feel like the glimpses that we get of of JP and um, what's his face? What is the mechanic's name? (laughs) I'm just like calling him Frendo because I forget his... Oh, Frisbee! Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot. Frisbee! It's been a couple months since I've seen it, so... Yeah, the (laughs) fact that the glimpses of the past we get of JP and of Frisbee are all hyper-relevant to the plot. Mm Mm-hmm. And to their characters, mm-hmm. I think it's done really well. We only yes. get what we need to get from exactly, yeah. Where we get this is what we used to be like when we were racing. This mm-hmm. is what happened after we got money. This mm-hmm. is us seeing Crab Sonoshi. This is JP seeing Crab Sonoshi and being like, "Whoa, I want to race for the real. I want to be the genuine <laughs> article." No yeah. way, that's Megalobox. <laughs> it, it does share a lot of similarities with megalobox if you like megalobox watch redline if you like redline watch megalobox yeah they also both have really great music yes the music's so good i do think i like megalobox's music a little bit better yeah but that's my personal preference same I think they both they both have really great tracks to them that really elevate the mood of the movie it's yeah. redline is a movie that is fast mm-hmm. it's I mean, I don't want to say it's dirty, but it is. it has a certain grit to it. Yes. That I think would probably be more cleanly defined as texture. It has a lot of texture and character to it. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really fucking cool. Oh, yeah. And it is an animation that makes you feel the animation with your body. <laughs> it is not, not just, just eyeballs. V- <laughs> right. It is not just a visual experience. It is something that resonates within within your core yeah and and ripples out towards your extremities oh (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah yeah listen i watched the last scene of the movie and i was actually legitimately physically literally on the edge of my seat (laughs) i was bouncing (laughs) like like during the whole intro i was bouncing and then at the end i was like (gasps) It's actually so hype. Yeah, I was leaning forward in my seat, just like, oh my god, it's a bit. <laughs> you know yeah. that he's going to win in the end, because yeah. it's, it's such a straightforward plot. But yeah. the way he gets there is so amazing. Yeah. And it, you never for a second feel like it's not unearned. Mm-hmm. And it is, to, to a large extent, it feels like it feels like another one of those movies or pieces of media where it doesn't matter that we know what the plot will be. We mm-hmm. know exactly what the plot will be from the very start of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
And yet it's still so compelling to us because it is written in a way that is relatable and compelling and fun to watch. Like, yeah. Overall, that's my takeaway from this movie is that it's a movie that is fun to watch with your eyeballs, <sighs> of course. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of, of series can kind of get lost uh, and a lot of movies can get lost doing this. At the end of the day, it's animation. It's a piece of entertainment. Yes. And there was a lot of grueling hard work and development time put into it. Yeah. And the end result is is it shows because they know and they have such a clear vision of what they wanted to go for. Mm -hmm. They wanted to go for a series that is or not a series. I keep saying series. They wanted to go for a movie that is so fun to watch. Mhm. Mm Cuz at at the end of the day that that's what it's that's what it's about. It's about the animation, it's about having a visual experience and having a, a visceral bodily experience watching watching entertainment. And that's something that we, I feel like nowadays miss a lot. A lot of newer shows are very clean. They're well animated, but man, I would be hard pressed to find anything that is as heart pumpingly, head poundingly, amazingly visceral as Redline. Mm-hmm. Redline feels like you're going to a musical concert, but it's an anime. <laughs> yeah, it feels, yeah. It, it feels like a steady drumbeat that gets wilder and wilder. I think I feel like by the end of it, you feel like you're in the mosh pit. <laughs> you, you actually feel like you're in the audience. You're like, yeah, go, yeah. do the racing good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could do it, JP, I believe in you. Uh, the whole end race, I don't know, like, like just like the way that they treated the characters and how crazy everything got just reminded me of like, like if you were to watch like a high octane, super well rendered anime version of Wacky Races. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're correct. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> like super, like you, like wacky races in a quality you would never have seen before. <laughs> in a higher quality than yeah. you've ever seen before. You, that you would More never quality imagine. than wacky races deserves. <laughs> that Probably. might belittle it in a sense, but like that's meant to be in like the highest respect possible. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, going back to the movie thing, as, as a yeah. movie, I, I would prefer that movies don't try to have huge character arcs mm. if they're not going to be able to do it well. Yeah. I feel like what Redline does is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Especially for so what it is, because it's, it's just a spectacle. It is a, a two-hour-long spectacle. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's like normally when I watch a movie, I I like to see like the story play out like like something story heavy or or character development heavy, like that kind of thing. But this is a perfect example of a movie that doesn't need all of that. Like it tells its story the way that it wants to in its own style and it keeps you invested in its own way and it owns it perfectly. Whereas lesser quality movies or animations or whatever, they're going to try and shoehorn the things that feel like, oh, I need this because that's what the formula tells me, right? Like, it tells me that I need a main character that feels relatable, 
that has a developmental character arc that you you feel like you need to root for them. It, it needs the it needs a love interest. You know, there is a love interest in this one, but it doesn't feel as shoehorned in. It does feel kind of kind of forced in some ways, but like it doesn't feel as forced as it would be to 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 follow a formula. Um, and and. It tells you all the information that you need to know to enjoy this little bit, this little window glimpse into this world, and then you're popped back out of it, and then you're right. left wanting to know more. <laughs> it's just a nice two-hour package. Yeah. And honestly, I think this is a movie that is particularly impressive because, you know, I like anime, but mm-hmm. just sort of inherently because of of my educational background and my focus of topic, I guess, for being like a literature major, right? A lot mm-hmm. of my focus does go towards character and plot and dialogue. Yeah. But this this is a movie that I di- like I didn't think about any of that with. I was yeah. just like the car go fast. Yeah, you're just good. along for the ride and like generally when I watch these types of movies, right, where they don't focus on story or plot or characters or whatever, I'm like, uh, this feels kind of shallow. Like it doesn't like, oh, it's just like a, you know, uh, like a action comedy movie. You know, I'm going to sit here and, and not think about stuff for two hours and I'm going to pop back out and not and forget about it. Right. But this is right. like, I'm going to remember this freaking movie. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> I think th- this is a this is a flawless example of what makes an animated movie unique. It mm-hmm. is a flawless example of an action movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it doesn't go where it doesn't need to go. It knows exactly the scope it's working within and it yeah. operates within that. Yeah. And that's why it feels so good. Yeah. It's because it does it doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. It knows when to pull its punches and it knows when to just go for it and go full throttle. Mhm. Wow, car references. Wow, wow, car <laughs> references are so good at words. <laughs> yeah, and the fact the fact that it can make you feel that way yeah. in the last like 10 seconds of the movie, the last 10 mm-hmm. 30 seconds of the movie. Mhm. Everything feels like it builds up towards that to an almost deafening degree. Yes. It is it is a maddening crescendo of coolness. I feel like you 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 don't even need to be a fan of racing or cars or anything to enjoy this movie. I don't give a movie. shit about cars. Yeah, exactly. But I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz it doesn't get into that, you know. I mean, it's like, I don't I, care I, think- I don't care about boxing, but I like Megalobox. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I will say I think because of the benefit of time and of hand animation mm-hmm. like traditional hand animation mm-hmm. that redline i feel like does a better job than megalobox if for no other reason than the the action sequences which are integral to the movie itself are better animated i think sure. that if there was one criticism to level up megalobox i don't like the fight choreography because it feels impactful and meaningful but the actual fights themselves aren't that impressive hmm okay is is probably what i would say about that yeah i i love this movie uh, it's I, I think this is this is like a 10 out of 10 movie yeah 
for I what it does. I would give it full rating. If we rate it, it five, anything. Five stars. I'm a verified Amazon customer. <laughs> Just like, it saved my life from boredom. That's and what you would title your review. It saved yes, my life saved from my boredom. Life from boredom forever. <laughs> good. That's a really good title. <laughs> yeah. No, it really does feel like hype as hell. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen the last fight in Green Lagan, it has as much impact as that, mm. even though people aren't punching each other. It, <laughs> it arguably has more impact than that. Although Green mm. Lagan, if we're being fair, has the benefit of an entire 26 or so episodes yeah. to, to yeah. build you that. You have the emotional investment by that point. <laughs> but the the amount of hype that Redline can build within two hours is mm-hmm. honestly astonishing. Yes. The, uh, yeah. It legit feels like the most important thing. I mean, this is something I said about the, the end of The Tale of Princess Kaguya. It feels like the most important thing you're watching at the time. Mm-hmm. It, it is overpoweringly amazing at yeah. what it does as an animated movie yeah and i think that's it that's all, that's all i gotta say about redline anyway you got any like parting thoughts i think if you've got i think it's actually it's even shorter than two hours it's like an hour and 30 minutes plus credits something like that i actually if think you, you're right i think i think it is much shorter than than two hours i think it yeah. might actually be like an hour 30 or something yeah, yeah, it, it's somewhere around there, and if uh, that, I mean, like, people generally, like, they're, like, two-hour movie, uh, but, like, this is, like, a little over an hour. If you got time for that, please, just go check it out. Like, check out, like, the first, like, mm, I want to say, like, like, five to ten minutes, you know, and then you'll know what you're getting into in terms of, like, how the style feels, and then if you feel like you can get into it, get through the first race, and if you feel like it's your jam, then... <laughs> finish the movie you'll probably just end up finishing the movie regardless uh just check it out and you'll be freaking impressed and then you'll probably also forget that it's hand animated until you go back and listen to this podcast or look up stuff about it <laughs> so yes the movie itself is one hour and 42 minutes long and it ah. is blisteringly it, it goes by blisteringly fast so watch fast the, watch the first scene of the movie yeah. And you are instantly drawn into it. You will yeah. not turn away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I would be impressed if you were just like, this doesn't feel like it'll be anything and you walk away from it in the beginning. <laughs> Which I feel like now people will probably try and do that. But you know what? That's that's their loss because it's a great movie. Yeah, it's honestly something special. That was Red Line. Yeah. We honestly didn't talk about it for as long as we probably talked about the other stuff but i feel like that is fine with how the movie was we're not wasting time it's just we're just getting into it it's short it's fast it's sweet if we were clever enough we would make this podcast episode exactly the amount of time it takes for you to watch the movie but we're not that great (laughs) we're not that great but actually the problem is that we would have to pad the episode we would have to pad it yeah and you don't want that we need to be like redline and just give you the information that you need well, I do have a story to tell before we end because okay. I forgot tell, to tell talk story. about it. Tell, tell me your story so, and also what you're up to this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I forgot to say this while I was talking about Animazement, but I got to... Uh, first of all, I got to attend one of the panels by the uh, 
director of freaking Cowboy Bebop and Space Dandy Ooh. and all that freaking great stuff. He's freaking fantastic. And it was really, really cool listening to him talk about his work and about how uh, it was basically kind of like a Q&A panel. Um, and one of the <laughs> one of the questions I remember really vividly was like someone talking about like, oh, what's your favorite like funny scene from all the stuff that you worked on? And he was basically like, uh, I mean, all the stuff that I worked on has become like like you work so hard to make it that by the time that you're done with the episode, nothing is funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's fair. <laughs> I, I freaking love it. So this is to you, uh, Watanabe Shinichiro. <laughs> You're a fantastic man. Thanks, <laughs> Just Watanabe. to listen to talk about. <laughs> and um, another thing was I attended a panel by uh, Rachel and June, um, where June was talking about um, the history of Japanese cooking. And then at the end... He uh, was basically having a giveaway for um, a nakiri knife. And he made Shokugeki references. It was great. Um, nice. <laughs> nice. And, um, so he was giving one of these away. And so uh, the way that he, would, he was doing this was to uh, have a rock, paper, and scissors uh, challenge to the whole uh, you know, panel room, right? And so the audience would have to basically tie or beat whatever he threw out. Um, and so, uh, I made it to the final round <laughs> from wow. a whole room of people. Yeah. It was, the wow. room was full, full, like we were standing in the back. Uh, and so I got up on stage with this other much taller, very nervous dude named Nathaniel, uh, shout outs to you, dude. I was also shaking and nervous. <laughs> and, um, while we were up on stage, uh, June, um, added another condition to the the junk campon which was which I didn't know about this um is uh, the person who wins the junk campon has to point in a direction and then the person who lost has to turn their head in i guess like the opposite direction or a different direction than where the person is pointing but despite them showing this twice as like a demonstration my stupid self still didn't understand the rules. <laughs> oh, no. And so when the guy pointed, my head like automatically just like went in the same direction that he pointed. And I, of course, lost. <laughs> so, oh, that's so sad. You never yeah, knew about the pointing? The huh? No, I didn't know, which I guess like it, which, it probably I should have seen it already in like some anime or something. But like I Ren didn't know. Renu, I'm, I'm going to call you out right now. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> This was literally in an episode of Hina Matsuri that we watched together. Oh, what episode? <laughs> Do you know the one where they meet Anzu for the first time? Yeah. And they play rock, paper, scissors? Oh, I remember. Yeah, but I didn't understand what they were doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I deserved to lose that knife. <laughs> you really did, but I'm so sad that you did. Yeah. Really, uh, I you know I was fine. I didn't expect to make it that far anyway. It, uh, <laughs> it would have been perfect if you had gotten that knife and then you brought it over and we use it to do the food episode. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll just have to get one ourselves. We'll just have to get our own knives. <laughs> yeah, it won't be rewarded to us by a fabulous chef who does fabulous things on YouTube. But, it's tragic. you know, 
well, we'll have earned it in our own way via monies. <laughs> Is this the same June's Kitchen that did the one where he just repairs a knife? Yes, and he okay, freaking showed right. I parts love that of video. that. Yes, yes, he showed parts of that video during his panel too to talk when he was talking about knives, and I was like, yes, this is a very good mo- video. Hang on, on the topic of Japanese men and knives, I've told you about the guy that makes knives out of food, right? Yes, yes, you have very emphatically told me about this man. I I have to tell everyone I know about it all the time and make sure that they know about it. (laughs) They share some similarities. Uh Uh-huh. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Good. You know, they, they feel very therapeutic to watch. There's nothing more therapeutic. Uh, and it's, it's made me want to get a knife sharpener for myself because I don't own one. And I'm one of those like ghetto Asians who uses a cleaver for everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I thought you were going to say like, I, I, I'm one of those people that uses those like dollar store knives for everything. I mean, it, I don't think it's a dollar store knife. Like, I don't think it's quite that bad, but it needs to be sharpened. And I haven't done that. <laughs> my, my grandma has a bunch of knives. They're not like nice knives. Yeah. Except for maybe the cleaver. I don't know. See, I, cleaver. I, see, I don't know where the cleaver comes from, but I know it's effective. <laughs> I get it from my mom who does the same thing. She has a cleaver and she has a, a fruit knife. Like that's it. And I am the same way now. <laughs> Do you want to know what about my grandma, about my grandparents though, rather? Uh-huh. My grandfather would sharpen knives by hand, but uh-huh. thinking back on it, I can't tell if he had a whetstone or if he was just using a cement block. <laughs> like, that is, that is the level at which my, my Asian-ass grandparents are at. <laughs> that would be so amazing. Of sharpening with a cinder block or a cement block or any kind of just non whetstone block. <laughs> I have learned so much random shit from my grandfather. <laughs> I learned I learned how to sharpen a pencil with a knife. Sure. Which is what they had to do back when they didn't have pencil sharpeners. Yeah, of course. And if I ever have a pencil made of wood again, mm-hmm. which I probably won't. But if I do and, and a knife, I'll know what to do. Yeah, like my dad does the exact same things uh, with his wooden pencils. He basically only uses wooden pencils because mechanical pencils don't write so well on like, you know, his carpentry projects or whatever. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. And so he'll use a wooden one and you could tell that it's all hand sharpened with a knife. <laughs> I'd like yeah. some nice knives someday, uh, but... I think if I do get some, it will be after I move out. I think it will be after you get the most essential one, which is the cleaver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except for, for me, the essential one is, is not the cleaver, because I don't come from a tradition of cooking Asian food. Right? <laughs> the Asian food See, requires that's, that's, a cleaver. <laughs> that's, that's the problem, right? Like I, I, All my cooking comes from like being self-taught. <laughs> and so it just requires the normal shaped knife. <laughs> you normie. I bet I could get away with using a cleaver. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't actually know if the cleaver that we have is actually a cleaver or if it's a knife that the tip broke and we ground off. Oh my god! <laughs> it's actually 
actually entirely possible. I think it's a cleaver. I think the length okay. of it and the <laughs> the consistency of the end of it prove that it's a cleaver. <laughs> I, I mean, think. Uh, I think that's what a lot of like these cleaver traditions came from is the fact that oh, I can get away with just using a cleaver for this, and that's why it ends up being such a mainstay. Uh, and then that's why the only other knife that my mom and I own is a fruit knife because peeling stuff with you know. A cleaver is a little less practical. Yeah. You know, I bet I could get away with just living with a, a wood-handled cleaver for a while. Yeah. That's or, my first purchase. That's going to be my first yourself a, a freaking... My mom just goes straight on with a full metal cleaver. <laughs> the whole full handle, metal everything cleaver? is just really? metal. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure we've had that thing for decades. Like, I know... Since I I can't remember her using a different one since I was born. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd actually love to get one of those that's just like one solid piece. Yeah. <laughs> get yourself a cleaver that could do it all, man. Get yourself a cleaver. It's it's the <laughs> jack of all trades of Asian cooking. It's terrible. Don't listen, listen to me for cooking advice. <laughs> listen to me for cooking advice. All you need is a cleaver, a pan, and chopsticks. <laughs> And a couple bowls, I guess. Literally, <laughs> I replace most utensils I do not have with chopsticks. Before we had actual whisks, I just used chopsticks. I don't have a whisk. I only use chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. The whisk is more useful for things like making bechamel sauces and <laughs> sifting flour. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I, I guess that's enough of, of cooking. Where can we find you? What are you up to this week? I will be plotting our food cast but in the meantime um i got some commissions from animazement so i will be working on those maybe on or off stream i don't know um i got a fresh batch of acrylic charms in so i'll be assembling those too i got a hisoka one or rather i designed a hisoka one and it came in and i'm really excited and that's it you can find me on twitter and on twitch and on tumblr all at swan drawn if you want to follow me on instagram i'm swan period drawn because someone took swan drawn i don't think they even post that much i'm just saying i could use it if they weren't using it already <laughs> Tragic. Uh, yeah that that's it what about you soup well, I am going to be drowning in schoolwork. Mm -hmm. There is no two ways about it. My finals are next Monday, and all my projects are due next Tuesday. So I'm basically going to become a hermit, and I'm not going to be a real person. <laughs> and it's going to be bad. It's going to be... I'm, my sleep schedule is going to be all over the place. It's going to be probably the worst... Aside from that, I'm, yeah, I, like, literally, I'm not lying when I'm saying when Finals Week rolls around, I'm just not a real person anymore. It is <laughs> difficult to contact me. It is difficult to discern if I am even still alive. Yeah. The answer is only a little. <laughs> barely. Is the I'm answer. still alive, but I'm barely breathing. <laughs> you can find me on all the places at the, on the internet, at literal soup. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I always pronounce the P really hard so that when I go back and edit the podcast, it hurts mm -hmm. me. It hurts you? And I try to edit out the little puff at the end, 
Yeah. But really, I could just avoid this if I learned, like, any mote of my discipline ever. Well, I think it helps, though, because people will know that you're not at literal Sue, you're at literal soup. <laughs> people <laughs> will pot. imply the pee. <laughs> people will imply the pee. This is what I've learned. <laughs> the little puff that exudes out in the P sound mm-hmm. and the T sound. If you edit those out, people can't tell the difference. They're just like, wow, this sounds really good. Oh. P- Turns out people have bad ears. I got bad <laughs> ears. Holy shit, my ears are bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, like like I feel like your 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 brain organ subs a lot of that stuff in. So It does. It does. This is this is like a noted thing where when you get older, you will start to phase out the difference between letters like P and T. Mhm. And it becomes very difficult for you to tell or pell. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> That's sad. That made me sad. <laughs> Listen, that's just that's just how it be. And considering that we live in a, a culture that is very dependent on things like headphones and earbuds, it's happening faster than ever. Oh, I man. wish I had better ears. The future is bright. The future is... Well, the future is bright because we get to have techno ears, right? <laughs> I want I want cyber magic ears. I think that you could very easily become a very adorable anime boy if you See, get like, this, them cyber... This is, the, if I got cyber ears. ears, I would want yeah. them in the style of the like adorable robots from anime that have the weird headphone pad with the antenna coming out the back. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. What? How do you... I feel like I've talked about this before. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, like Chachamaru from, from What's-His-Bucket. What was it? Uh, Negima. Like that? Uh... Oh, so like Chobit's ears. Okay, yeah, I guess like Chobit's ears. <laughs> I mean, okay, but like Chobit's ears are like furry ears. I want them to explicitly be robot ears. They're not furry ears. The whole point of Chobit's is that they're android ears. Have you not read such watch Chobit's? Listen, I know I know that Uh they're android ears, but they're they're meant to evoke animal ears. Cheese ears are meant to evoke animal ears because hers look like little kitty ears but on the sides of her head. But if you look at other Chobits in the or other uh, androids uh, Persicom, sorry. I kept trying to think of the word. Persicoms in the world, they have different shaped ears. Some of them look like this girl. <laughs> I guess that's fair. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Yeah. But yeah, if I, if some I were, Persicom ears. If I were to get, if I were to get uh, cyber ears, I would want them to look like that. <laughs> Giant pointy things that will slap someone if they get too close. Giant pointy obnoxious things, but it would be really great because I could just like plug it into my music device. Or probably at that point that we have magic ears made of technology, we can probably just use wireless technology to yeah, not have to deal with wires. Yeah. You would have a whole music library stored in a hard drive you could plug into your head. Heck, they could <laughs> even be just downloaded into the ears themselves. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, if I could live my life with drives. a background music? Yeah. That would be awesome. 
Yeah, that's that's the next generation. Like we've moved on from cat ear headphones. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, you Which, can. I don't know. Oh, sorry. What? I was gonna say, like, I saw an old dude wearing them when I went to House of Pies this past weekend, which is like a diner slash pie place and has lots of different kinds of pies. Mm -hmm. And he came in with this uh, old lady, like she's grandma age, and she had completely like was wearing from head to toe Nightmare Before Christmas wear, like the whole dress and and high socks and everything. And then she had kitty ears on her head. Wow. (laughs) So they matched. Wow. That's I was like, man, that's an old couple that they know what they love and they work it. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. That's true love right there, folks. That's true love. That's true love. <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> anyway, I interrupted you. <laughs> you can find our podcast on Twitter <gasps> at AbsoluteCast. Yeah. We will you- post updates there if I am ever late with an episode or struggling. Or sometimes even if you just want to get the post-episode commentary. I'll, I'll sometimes have a snarky quip or two about it. <laughs> and, and you don't need also, a Twitter to look at it. <laughs> you don't need Twitter to look at it. You just need to find the page. You can also find our videos on YouTube where Renu puts a, a, a loving amount of work into. They look <laughs> awesome. They look amazing. <laughs> beautiful. No. Our podcast no. so cover art is beautiful. No. It's just so good. No. Yes. Except it. Except it. Exciting things coming down the line. We're going to be probably doing wrap ups soon. Wrap ups and startups for the the coming summer season and the end Dude, of yeah. spring. I'm yeah. hyped because I think some of the things coming in summer look pretty interesting. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. I will have to do a more formal look at that, but that's neither here nor there, of course, because we still have a couple episodes left in the spring season and all of it's intricacies and interesting things that it decides it wants to tell us about (laughs) like dragon plane (laughs) four i know that's your favorite it's it's okay i guess i know we'll finish it and you'll love every second of it it's okay i guess I mean, <laughs> I'm also doing I'm also doing link dumps now for everything that we talked about in the episode. So if there's something Whoa. that we mentioned kind of offhand, I will link to it because you know, I will I love making work for myself. I will leech off of that work and put it in our videos too. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna put them I'm gonna put them in the description of the podcast, so you should be able to. Use that to follow along, and I think that'll make this a lot clearer for people that listen that don't know what anime is. That don't know what anime is. I mean that in the more general sense. There are definitely people I know that listen to this that sometimes get a little bit lost because we talk about things that make no sense to normal people. <laughs> we are we are a some semi-niche. We are uh, a somewhat podcast. specialist podcast. But I understand. That I think that would also be helpful because sometimes we do mention anime that even I, I haven't seen or you haven't seen, you know, stuff like that. So, also, I just know a lot of weird, obscure things. So, you do. If I, I bring I something up, I will things. try to try to put it in the, in the dump. Yeah. Have fun. So, <laughs> look forward to that. Or, I guess if you're listening to this, you will see it. Whoa. So maybe I should have prefaced the episode with it. 
Oh, well. You know what? They'll see it, and then they'll have the explanation. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if we're, if we're being mindful of the microphone, twenty twenty. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I almost thought you were going to make another car pun. No. no. <laughs> this, was, this was just a... That wasn't even a bit. That was just straight up how it goes. Okay, let's just end it. I can't. Okay. I can't. <laughs> I'll catch you, girl. Eat your fucking heart out. <laughs> we should have done the rambling before, before the, or after the ending, rather. We should have done the rambling after the ending. Let me see what's. Blue.